Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season five, where we're asking the question, what legacy will my church leave? Check out this season's trailer for a full explanation. Today, we jump back in with Ross Ramsey to hear what he's learned about engaging his own church and other local churches in the task of making disciples. This is the first of two episodes, so be sure to subscribe in your podcast app or at ontheroad.link to get the second half of our conversation. Let's jump in. You know, in, in five, almost five and a half years of, of doing this now, uh, man, lessons learned. You know, one of the things I do say, and this is, again, I'm always I'm not trying to be edgy or anything, but I've learned more in doing this and being a practitioner than I did in 20 years of ministry and four years of seminary. Mm. Um, It's just all those verses about obedience and the secrets of the kingdom in Matthew 13 and how God reveals himself to those who obey. And and all those are sounding like such cliches, but that's been so true. I've learned so much about myself and about how the kingdom operates. And I've seen things on such an accelerated basis since we actually started doing what we were, um, what I've always read about, but actually did. And so that, that, that was probably the first thing is just, I feel like I've got a two doctorates in six years or five and a half. So that's the first thing. It's just the acquisition of knowledge accelerated at such a faster rate. Many of the lessons I also learned were in leadership and, and they were mistakes I made, to be quite honest with you. Um, mistakes I, I, I don't know if I would do again, or maybe I would, and just in terms of pushing the pedal and saying, this is what I think everybody should be doing. I found that um, was very device, divisive mm. and um, it wasn't always necessary, but sometimes it was. And sometimes I didn't know the difference between those two. So, but um what I learned at our church was, is that there were people at our church who wanted to do this. Mm. Um, and it was their next step. They just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. Discovering those people through the training and the harvest. So uh, just a, you know, a million things I learned. I, I also, what I, I learned, so COVID happened, right? Mm-hmm. And right before COVID happened, I felt like I was, we were peaking. It was just the best of times. It was, we were running, uh, we were going twice a month or twice a week in the harvest, Wednesday night, Sunday night. Between those two, we were seeing 60, 70, and a good week up to 100 people in teams of three going the harvest. We uh, just started our sixth or seventh group from the harvest. Churches were lining up. I mean, it was just like, it was really a sweet time. And then COVID happened and everything just shut. It was like, it just turned off. Mm-hmm. I think part of me was like, God, did you know what you just did? I mean, I just, I want to be, you know, I had nothing you know, like, Hey God, I just want to kind of, I mean, you really shut, you just shut your work off. Right. And I, so part of me was a little like, but also the other part, which I, I knew in my heart was, okay, this is part of his plan. And if it stopped like this, it was great while it lasted. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start it up somewhere else or whatever. I don't know. And so we started slowly going back into the harvest and our group started to meet again. But what was really interesting during COVID, a little burned out, I guess, ministry got hard. Everything got hard. 
Mm-hmm. And the people that we raised up, God raised up at Allen were actually the ones that were encouraging me to go. And I thought that was really kind of cool because when I was down, they were up. Mm-hmm. And when they were down, I was up. And and so uh, I saw these leaders that God raised up really kind of pushing me like, man, let's go. Let's keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I think it's we saw our time. And they actually gave this a whole nother second life as these leaders. And they really prompted me. And I see how I they they like, yep, let's do harvest. And I was like, well, when would you want to do it? And they're like, put it on the calendar. Well, and then they started recruiting people. And so it was really, it was really cool to see um a whole group of leaders that that were always kind of looking to me for leadership. Now I was looking to them for leadership mm. um, in terms of encouragement. And that was really um something I I, I was really grateful for. That's a great testimony to kind of the maturity of the work that it's not just reliant on you um even in our in our fallenness but uh like some other people are are after the same thing that's really cool the the only other thing i would um and i i hesitate to say this but this is certainly a pattern i've seen and i saw it in our church is how the people that that are paid to do ministry Mm. um this this stuff does not hit them well. Mm. And that, and, and I've seen that. And I, and again, I've seen that now across the board, not just in my church, but at other churches where it's just, it's very suspect and um, how it really runs. Uh, I always say it rubs the cat's fur the wrong, you know, <laughs> the wrong way. It just, they're very, I just don't see. That's the other thing that, that looking back at how the people that should be leading this, that are getting paid really um, are not drawn to this. Mm. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. And, and, and it's a very dynamic, but that's probably this, that is an ongoing pattern. I see. I mean, nobody will argue at least to your face, like, Hey, we we shouldn't go share our faith. We shouldn't make disciples. But you're saying when it comes to practically people putting the boots to the ground and doing something, there's just kind of that, like from those that we would want to be leading out. Yes, uh, and I have my theories on that. Um, I, I think the the one of the the dangers in all of this, Finny, is that this is seen as a church growth strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I get that. I, I I'm not. I'm. We all want to reach people. My goodness, that's that's always mm-hmm. uh, the the heart of our Father. Uh, however, what I what I I try to set expectations now, and I said this is really at least initially about church health. This is what healthy people do. And when you begin to act healthy, um, the results come. There, there's a season of sowing. And there's a season of reaping. And, and there's generally a gap. Mm-hmm. And I, I find churches aren't always really comfortable with that gap, mm-hmm. that there is a time where you're going to sow if you stick to it. Um, but it, it might be three years in. It might be four years in. It might be five. It, the economy of scale is so different in this, at least in the West. Yeah. Um, I know I heard the stories of India and all that. It's just, but here it's, it's just a different scale. But uh, what, what, what I experienced, I've seen this time and time again is um, what it does to the people in the church, how it accelerates spiritual health very quickly. And mm-hmm. so I, I try to focus more on that because mm-hmm. in time, if you stick to it mm-hmm. and you hold on to the, yeah. The handlebars and see this through, you will begin to see uh, lostness come into your groups and be discipled. And um, but you got to stick with it for quite some time. 
and we want to multiply health. I think there's a, a danger of like, oh, that's a cool new tool. It seems to help us engage with a few people. And then all of a sudden we're off using something when we haven't actually pursued um, being healthy disciples. So that's really good. But what my, my point is, is healthy, health, healthy disciples share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to agree with that, right? I mean, right. I, you have to be pretty carnal. But when you really start to deep dive into churches, no one's, no one's talking about Jesus to other people. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it's just not happening. I mean, I, I hear it, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, but where do you have these spiritual conversations? And these spiritual con- conversations cause death and they cause spiritual life to happen because you're opening your mouth. Well, the problem with that is there's not enough opportunities in your oikos. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. And I, I, I mean, as someone, I mean, even the people that hang around lost a lot of lostness, it just doesn't, they're just the opportunities not presenting. So, so what's where I'm going with all this is, is the harvest component where you're putting it in your schedule in your, and we live in a warm weather climate, so we can do this almost year round where you're, you're, you're systematically going out and talking to people. That's where the health begins to kick in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the key component. I, I tell people now, and I, and I, and this is not a cop out, but I tell people that I need the harvest more than the harvest needs me yeah. because what it's done to me. And so if you go into it with that, with that perspective, if you find people, that's just icing on the cake mm. because yeah. of what it, the constant conversations I'm having with people from all diverse backgrounds, it's changing me more than it's changing them, at least initially. Yeah, that's good. So your role at the church has changed a little bit. I know from that, you've also then started to learn and, and uh, figure out how to best engage existing churches. Basically, people that were in your seat, you're now going to try to, to engage to get churches after the task of making disciples and reaching the lost. So anything you want to share about either your journey on that, definitely want to get to what you've learned as far as how to best engage local churches. Well, just briefly, I've stayed at my church. Uh, so we do trainings and harvest. And then um, we, I over, I have a group on campus uh, that I lead with a couple other guys and um, we've multiplied into another group. And those groups are primarily made up of people from the harvest. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to say that we actually, it takes a lot of seed sowing. Um, and there's so much I would love to say about that. That That is what, uh, I have learned. So uh, going back about three, four years ago, when we started this, we were kind of purist, meaning we were going to reach people and we we're going to start a church in their house and we're going to multiply. Well, we, we that's how we started. We, you know, we got to come back to your house. And <clears throat> we just did not see that working in, in this context. Uh, there are, we had a handful of exceptions, but I tell you the the, the tweak that was really key for me. And I can only speak for me is when I said, Hey, I have a group that's already meeting and we're meeting right down the street from here. It's, it's man. In fact, I can point to it. And we meet on Sunday mornings at 10 30. Would you ever be interested in joining that group? And they're like, yeah, I would. Uh. And so basically what I was inviting them to was a group on campus on Sunday morning. I didn't call it church. I just called it a group where we're reading the Bible. It's laid back. It's a, it's a very open, we do pieces of the three thirds. And um, that actually began a, that when, when I, that little tweak right there uh, really was a game changer because people started, because we were in proximity to them. 
It was a building that they knew in the community and it seemed safe. Mm. And when we, that little tweak really made a difference, at least in, in my experience. And that's when we began to see people funnel into our groups and they came into our groups. They sat there, some got saved, some got baptized. Some were Christians that just started to grow. And then we funneled them into training and it just, mm. but getting them into a group in proximity to them was very key. And we just happened to do it at the church building. You're still leading some of those groups and they've even gone. Would you say, is it a pure second generation or kind of like grown to the point that they needed to split in two? How is that? It was both. It was okay. numerical and leadership driven. Right. Um, the, the group got, gosh, into the 30s, mm-hmm. 40s. And it was just, you can't do anything really well at that point. We were breaking up and doing care and accountability. Yeah. And, and we would come back and trying to do inductive Bible study with 40 people. It's just, yeah people check out. And so at that point we, we broke off into another group and we're at the point probably where we can do a third group just because we're, we're reaching people. And there's so many cool stories in there. I, I mean, I could wear you out with all of those neat people we've reached who then reached people and then they brought people and mm-hmm. all that, but it was six years of not giving up. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you learned now as you've tried to take some of this training to go uh, see other churches, pick it up in different corners of not only uh, DFW, but I know you've been doing some traveling too. So what are you learning when it comes to that? Almost every church I talk to, they want to reach their community and they know they need a process for equipping their people on how to have spiritual conversations. Now, would they differ in terms of philosophy and how to do that? But all of them recognize this is a gap. Mm -hmm. And, And by the way, um, all the 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 big uh, institutions have really pulled out of training. Lifeway doesn't do training anymore. They don't have these training camps anymore. It's just not lucrative. It just didn't make money. And so there's really a gap mm. uh, in terms of equipping people with a very very simple way. And so this made the multiply stuff is just you talk about timely. But that being said, so what we would do is the church is like, hey, what's going on, Alan? I heard, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, great, we can come do your trainings. Give me a date. And so they'd give me a date. And some of it was local. Some of it was, was you know, out of state. And so we would actually take a team out of state or even locally. And we'd come in, we'd drop in, right? We'd what they call swarm, right? And we would train and, man, we'd go out. And, and we had some great success uh, with that. But what we found is it just wasn't getting to sustainability. We weren't getting that rollout thing we talked about. And I knew, I kind of intuitively knew something had to change. This is interesting how God works. So last year sometime, Kyle Pearson, we had a dinner with Kyle at our house with our team. And right about that time, a church had approached us about training locally. And they made the suggestion, can we meet with you six weeks before the training? I was like, yeah, sure. What for? They go, we just want to learn it. Mm. And I was like, hmm. okay, sure. We're about five weeks into this and I'm loving it. I'm meeting with them once a week. This is with our team. I'm bringing my team in and they're doing it. The, and we're just training each of the modules. We're going back over it and everything. And we're really connecting with these people. They're showing up on a Wednesday afternoon. They're taking work off. We're there for about an hour and a half. And they have a million questions, but they're just loving it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is kind of cool. And it was a little uh, a l- heavy on our side because it was taking an hour a week. 
And so at that point, me and Kyle sit down and he's like, Ross, this is the missing link. We have to have a pre-rollout. And if we don't have a group that starts after the training, this thing is like a brush fire. We don't have a community of practice going on. And so what happened with it, and he, I was like, you're right. So this church I was working with, we were kind of doing what Kyle was mentioning. And I saw just a significant difference. So that first training, they did the bulk of the training. They go, we got to start a group. And so they started a group. They actually started two groups. And it's it's now they're on their third training. They've got groups multiplying. They've got a harvest time. And they're kind of driving it. I'm not having to put my foot up their rear. Um, they're, they're, they're moving the ball. And I'm thinking, hmm. we spent six weeks with these people. I, I, I thought they were just going to go, forget that. We'll find somebody else. But they were like, no, that's a great idea. And I went, what? Yeah. You, you want to do it? And they're like, yeah. In fact, I've got, I've got eight people right now. When can you start meeting? I'm like, well, uh, when's a good time? They're like, can you do Monday evening? I'm like, got it. And so we did the exact same thing, but we, we fine-tuned it. Mm-hmm. And so every time I'm doing this with a church, I'm, it's tighter and tighter and tighter, and we're getting better reproducibility because every rep I'm learning. Yeah. And so what we do is we basically do the training in the three-thirds model. And the new teaching each week is the first week we do the why, the mm-hmm. next week we do the who. What do you think we do the third week? Uh, maybe what do you say? Uh, 15 second testimony, third w- or fourth week, uh, three the uh, three circles, the fifth week win, the sixth week, four responses, the seventh week, we do the first command of Christ. So we get together, we do loving, we do care, loving, accountability, and vision. And then new teaching, we teach it. There's set goals is you got to share the who with somebody. And each week I have somebody from that group and they get up there and they draw the three thirds on the board. And by the end of it, they go, we know what we do, Ross. And they know the drill. That's awesome. And it's so cool to see them get it like that. And we're getting to Oikos too, which is really important. That's a whole nother talk for another day. And so I'm in my fourth or fifth church and we're just seeing a, we're seeing just a, just a categorical difference in sustainability and receptivity of the church. Mm. That's awesome. In terms of, of having a group. So every after every training, a group starts. And guess who leads that group? That's awesome. So logistically, are these mainly local then? Or are you also doing some of that same thing online? Yeah. So great question. So uh, most of them were local. So I had my first one um, in North Carolina. It's in Henderson, North Carolina. Well, I live in Dallas. I, you know, I can't fly out there. You know, that's not. So I said, I want to do this on Zoom. And here's the crazy thing. This works almost better on Zoom and in person. Mm. I, I, I have my camera here. I set it up. I do the thing. And they're like, oh, we get it. It, it just works out. It's tight. Mm-hmm. It's like you put them in groups. They practice. They come. You know, we've, we've done this a yeah. hundred times. And it's just they come back and they're getting it. And they're getting it quick. Mm. So it really works well on Zoom. And uh, the, 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 the setting the goals is easy. Hey, this week, share the why with somebody. I mean, and they're all like, oh, I can do that. And you're just giving these incremental wins, right? Mm -hmm. That's good. And they're getting the pattern down really easy. And so, uh, and plus, they're being exposed to my heart too. I'm spending time with them. Yeah. And they're starting to get it. The the only missing link in this is the harvest. The local ones, they're coming into the harvest with me on Sunday evenings. I'm like, Hey, come on. What are you doing? 
And so I'm getting, I'm catching several of them in the harvest and that's really key. The ones that are on Zoom, most of their gospel opportunities are in Oikos because they're not doing a local harvest there specifically at their church. So there is some little tweaks we're learning along the way and there's some gaps, but I know what the gaps are. I, I'm yeah. owning them. I, I, I get where they are and we're, yeah. we're trying to shore those up later on. If you have any comments or questions, head to on the road.link. That's on the road.link. Or you can call or text 321-209-3899. Check out the show notes at that same URL for links to past conversations with Ross, as well as to subscribe so you don't miss the second half of our conversation. This is Feeney. Thanks for listening. The On the Road podcast is to encourage you and your church to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.